0: Something that we say all the time at Mindshare is provocation with purpose. So we like to provoke brands to do interesting things, but we all do, we do it in the pursuit of making their business achieve the goals that they need to achieve. Specifically in the world of audio and the world of sound, there's a lot of rigor that we can put into it, uh, especially with the, the verification, the measurement that we have with the Neural Lab to be able to verify that the work that we're doing is... Correct, and that we're driving the right emotion and that we're driving the
1: right connection with consumers. Today's episode is part two of my interview with the ladies of Mindshare, Rachel Lowenstein and Arifel Bouzan. We talked about provocation with purpose, the adaptive consumer, fragmentation of the consumption of current media, and developing an audio strategy and DNA rooted in neuromusicology. If you haven't already, check out part one posted prior. Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. Yeah, and I think what, what Rachel, what you were saying about how Apple and um, some, you know, the car companies spend a lot of time and not paid advertising time or paid marketing time or anything on the sound of their product, that just shows that it does matter and that these big companies are paying attention to what the sound or what they sound like and they're not expecting... Uh, a quote unquote return on it. They just know that this is something that needs to be ingrained in their DNA.
0: Yes, exactly. And I think to Arafel's point, it's when you apply that to media, it just becomes that much more powerful. And there, are, there are brands that uh, are so iconic that maybe they don't need to do that. But there are a lot of brands that have to build that icon status, build that affinity with consumers. Uh, and through through a lot of the work that we're doing here, specifically with Arafel in the Neural Lab, is we're finding that sound is such an impactful medium to create an emotional connection with consumers, but largely, unfortunately, with our obsession with visuals um, in the era of television and pretty much every shiny object in media, we've somehow decided to devalue sound. But I think you know we're in this audio revolution where uh, we're seeing signs of hope and optimism that audio, Uh, will become better for brands uh, in in their entire ecosystem, both in media and out.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of experimentation that's happening right now. Um, Like even just my research on learning more about sound and marketing, it's changing as this is going on. You know, we're, we're in that revolution right now. We haven't hit any truly aha moments yet, I don't think. Like we, we now have some of the hardware, like the smart speakers that we can experiment with like Alexa skills or um, Google skills or anything like that. But I don't think we've, we've gotten to that aha moment yet. And so that's, that's kind of what I preach is just experiment, just try something out because you know, it's being invented as we go. And if you can be ahead of the, ahead of the crowd, which we all want to be, this is the time to do it. This is the time to try and If you fail, you just get up and keep going.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a big reconciliation that we have to consider is, you know, how much, where to innovate and how to innovate, and something that we say all the time at Mindshare is provocation with purpose. So we like to provoke brands to do interesting things, but we all do we do it in the pursuit of making their business achieve the goals that they need to achieve, right? Like the. Of course, innovation to test and learn is important, but I think specifically in the world of audio and the world of sound, there's a lot of rigor that we can put into it, uh, especially with the the verification and the measurement that we have with the Neural Lab to be able to verify that the work that we're doing is correct and that we're driving the right emotion and that we're driving the right connection with consumers.
1: Can you speak on the adaptive consumer of today? How are consumers responding to what brands are doing and how are brands responding to what consumers want or are asking for?
0: The behaviors of consumers are obviously changing. Like That is the most simple statement I, I could make. But the way that people consume media today is so incredibly fragmented. It's increasingly going behind paywalls. It's increasingly going to places and spaces that people don't oftentimes want an ad experience. And you know, Gen Z and younger consumers especially um, are questioning of, of where they want advertising to support their experiences and where they don't. Um, so I think for audio specifically, uh, and we talk a little bit about this in Media Dystopia, it's been a, a place in a space that direct-to-consumer brands have done a pretty good job at finding ways to natively connect with consumers through host-run ads. Um, And now that it's becoming more of a mainstream channel for big-time brands outside of the D2C space, um, and to your point about consumers becoming increasingly more adaptive and there is no one consumer journey anymore, uh, we have to find ways to better connect with consumers in audible environments, which means creating better audio creative. I think uh, on your question on what do consumers expect from brands, I think that they expect brands to provide additive experiences and not interruptive experiences, which can be incredibly, incredibly obvious in audio because it, it's one sense, right? You're only hearing something. And if it here, if it feels n- not native to the usual listening experience that you have, it's going to be incredibly um, obvious to that consumer immediately. And again, I think we're seeing signs of hope with the conversations that we're having with brands and clients and, some of the incredible work that we've seen in the audio space and the, a lot of the innovations that we saw come out of can this year. Um, but I think we have to continue to innovate and continue to find those opportunities to uplift the space overall.
1: Now, are you seeing, um, any active turns towards creativity in an advertising campaign? So, I mean, we, we hear about brands starting their own podcast and, um, advertising to the right, the right consumers through the right podcast or through the right streaming or something like that. But have you seen any like very creative ways to make advertising part of the creative entertainment process?
0: Yeah, I think my, one of my favorite examples of audio and voice experiences uh, came from HBO uh, this year, I think, or last year, rather. And it was, maybe it was this year, it was the HBO Westworld maze experience. I'm not sure if you saw that come out of Cam Lion. Mm, no. Not. So that was a um, audio companion to Westworld, which is one of my like favorite TV shows on HBO. And it was a compliment to the show in that you had to go throughout the maze, which was a core part of the plot on Westworld, um, one of the characters was going through a, you know, quote-unquote maze to get to the center of the maze, and he would unlock, um, you know, some, some level of knowledge. And you as a consumer could go through the maze on your Alexa device, and you interacted with different characters that were in the show. There was over, I think, like 10,000 lines of dialogue, and uh, you could pretty much immerse yourself in that universe. And as somebody who is a, a huge geek in the world of sci-fi and fantasy, I'm so excited by the opportunity to use audio to immerse yourself in, in those universes. Um, and I can think of you know dozens of franchises who could be doing that type of work. Um, and I think HBO is doing a really interesting job with that specifically. They've also created a podcast companion to Chernobyl, um, one of their other shows. But I think if you think about how to extend franchises or extend experiences, even if you aren't a brand that has an IP or a franchise, there's so many interesting things that you can do on, on an entertainment basis beyond just a linear story. And that's a really cool way to help engage people um, beyond just showing them an ad, but actually bring them into your world, into you, your universe. And of course there are brands that are perfectly suited for that. And then there's brands who potentially aren't. And if you aren't a brand who's suited to do that, Think about those franchises and those partnerships that you could forge to um, help be a patron to some of those stories. So, to me, that's a really exciting way to use media as creative and give people experiences and bring them into your experience.
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen a few that uh, I really liked. Uh- For instance, I love uh, The Good Place, that show The Good Place, Mm -hmm. and I discovered The Good Place podcast, which is really fun because it has the cast members and the writers and crew and stuff that come on uh, in a rotating way, and they just kind of talk behind the scenes stuff, and it just kind of invests you more in, you know, what you're already on board for. And then I also heard about uh, Google's bringing, uh, I guess they're partnering with um, Disney for Frozen Stories on Nest Mini. So, yeah. But- and so it's like the Disney characters and you're walking through it. And my kids love Frozen. So I'm actually a little terrified to show it to them. But um, <laughs> those <laughs> kinds of things are really great. It's, it's just kind of making a deeper connection, I guess, with the consumer, with the audience.
2: Uh, and then one one other example, because I feel really strongly about this one. Uh, Today Explained, uh, great podcast from Vox they have a reoccurring series of host-read ads for KiwiCo, which is a subscription toy box. But what's so brilliant is they have a kid who truly uses KiwiCo on, and it's his voice talking to the host and having these like really dynamic, interesting conversations, but like completely unedited. And I think that's the important thing, is they just let this kid talk about how he would use KiwiCo. And it's so authentic, and it fits so well, and it at this point I just expect it in the episode I kind of like I almost look forward to it I'm like oh it's the KiwiCo kid (laughs) um but I remember the brand name very well because of it and uh I think it's just the authenticity of it is what makes it so powerful yes and that's such an example
0: of how to think about podcasting as as an influencer channel right like this kid is is the most powerful influencer for this company for KiwiCo (laughs) and he's just talking about how much he loves it and you know if only all influencer marketing was that authentic and that real and but that is that is the power of creating really amazing connections with listeners by leaning into what your podcast does best
1: yeah authenticity that that's definitely key I'm excited to see how people become more and more authentic because that's the other thing too you know if if a company is excited about sound and they want to be all in but they have you know one no plan and they they don't really have an authentic nature to what they're doing you know those two go to they go hand in hand in my opinion so um yeah if you got to do it right like try some things but like have a real plan on what you want to try absolutely um is there anything that you wanted to elaborate about like what you're working on uh currently with mindshare with your your projects within mindshare
0: yeah, so uh, we can talk a little bit about uh, a consultancy that Arafel and I co-lead uh, called The Sound Consultancy. Very very original name, but we get right to the point. <laughs> um,
2: so <laughs> the
0: the purpose of The Sound Consultancy is to develop a, a brand's audio strategy and their audio DNA rooted in principles of uh, neuromusicology. And yeah, I think this is an incredible example of how we apply some provocations that we explore in media dystopia and you know Sound as a Savior specifically, and how we create products to help clients future-proof for this future that is inevitably coming where uh, consumer journeys are changing, consumer behaviors are changing, Audible Media is on the rise, et cetera. Um, and the Sound Consultancy lives as a cross-discipline offering that we've developed that Arafel and I, again, co-lead, um, where we're developing brand sounds um, using uh, Arafel's expertise in, in neuromusicology. And that's manifesting both in media and then out of media as well, and helping brands eventually just build better audio creative and then have a more robust audio strategy.
1: How would you go about plotting out a strategy for a company? Is it different for everyone or do you have kind of a a way to start talking about it?
0: I think it's not dissimilar to any way that you approach any comm strategy for a brand. You know, it's going to be very distinct, very specific. Uh, we dive into a lot of the existing work that their creatives, their comms teams, our strategic teams are working on for clients. And it lives as a collaborative effort to translate visually what brands already have into sonic environments. Um, it's incredibly robust. And I don't know if we have time to go the details on the podcast, uh, but it, you know, to boil it down, we look at the art and the science of audio branding for a brand. The art being the artful components, the kind of traditional sonic branding components um, that traditional sonic branding uh, companies uh, use to develop brand sounds. And then the science part of it is the the neuroscience, the neuromusicology to help build brand sounds rooted in actual science that we can verify.
1: And where would you say you would see sound in the marketing world where would you see it going next year and five years down the line where Where do you see it going
0: i think we are at a place right now uh an inflection point where brands are have increased interest in the space and increasingly we're seeing more and more investment more and more interest largely in the in the audible space i think that will bring a level of sophistication to the industry uh, that will help brand marketers help verify some of the, the need to be working in this space. You know, measurement largely is, is incredibly challenging in the audio space. And one of the biggest questions that we get is, well, how do I verify that this actually drove, you know, insert whatever metric that a brand wants? Um, and there's work that we can do there. But I think when you compare it to traditional digital channels, it is not as sophisticated. So I think we'll see a level of maturation come to this industry. I also think uh, there will be better creative created. I think, you know, to Arafil's to point, we've been obsessed with uh, sight and motion and sound became this kind of secondary thing or third thing that we would look at. So with some of the work that we're doing, we, we feel really optimistic that creative will become that much better for brands, specifically in the world of sound marketing. I don't know if you have anything to add or if
2: Yeah, I think um, one, one of the biggest ones is audio and sound in, in media and advertising has been largely an afterthought for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the same song pasted on different ads that were telling completely different stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a level of um, intention that's coming to, to sound and to music in consumer touch points that hasn't been seen before. Um, and our clients are, are really keen to, to take that kind of... Um, rigor to to not just say we're going to include music because we know music is emotionally powerful, but to include the right music that is in the right key and transitions at the right time. And uh, it takes it's really interesting because it takes a big uh, part of the conversation space to be devoted to things like emotion, which sometimes we don't talk about. We get really in the weeds of talking about how uh, a campaign's going to do very rationally and conversions and short-term, short-term, short-term. Uh, the conversation of audio is also a conversation of emotion and brand building and, and long-term performance. So it's also shifting those conversations, which I think is really important.
1: And this is a little bit of a side note but when we were talking about the podcasting and everything like that and how sound as a storyteller is kind of the first first storyteller is just like the spoken word um back in the 20s when we had like those big radios and everybody would gather around them at night and watch their or listen i guess listen to their favorite radio show it was a very collaborative event it was very um based in community And we've gotten back to that point of storytelling in our ears, but it's a very personal uh, situation as it is right now. Do you think that there will be any way, because we we kind of, in a certain respect, the way that you were talking about it, we're stepping back from the visual because we're overstimulated. We need a break from it. So we go into sound. Do you think that there would be another step uh, from individualistic sound experiences to uh, a community collaborative experience? I, I know that they have video games, but I'm just wondering if you've seen anything else developing or something that you would like to see develop.
2: Yeah, I think I think there's something really interesting there when thinking about um, the brain on more of that live viewing environment in general. Uh, humans, of course, love to feel emotion through media but what we really love is to uh mirror other humans and to see that we are responding to things in the same way other people are it's very much so a uh evolutionary psychology uh thing that's been left over so absolutely i think that the strength of podcasting and and audio now is that ability to build personal connections um but i think there is a lot of opportunity to tap in more to to content that would allow for that that sharing and that storytelling. It's very much so direct replication of people around a campfire, um, which is kind of beautiful. I agree.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, ladies. This has been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: And also, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way?
0: Uh, yeah, so you can reach out to me, Rachel, at rachel.loenstein uh, at mindshareworld.com.
2: And for any lab questions, I'm arithal.buzan at mindshareworld.com.
1: Well, thank you very much, ladies. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. We've now gotten into the way I see sound and music. It's more visceral than what we currently associate it with. It's the truest, most sincere experience we can put forth, and it deserves our mindful attention. You can follow and subscribe to the Sound and Marketing Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. And don't forget to enter promo code Sound and Marketing for your one-month free trial of Stitcher Premium. The link and promo code will be listed in the show notes of this episode. To get a hold of Rachel or RFL, you can find them at MindShareWorld.com. Their email addresses are also listed in the show notes. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast, or for inquiries on Sonic branding and Sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Isham. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.